0: Hello, this is David from davidcliveprice.com, and this is the podcast edition of this week's ezine number 25: How to Develop Your China Market Strategy. As business becomes increasingly globalized, cultural intelligence and intercultural competence is becoming an essential strategic tool for cross-border relationship and team building, targeted branding and marketing risk navigation and successful negotiations. In the third of this series of intercultural challenges, I look at branding and marketing, because it is one of the bedrocks of how successful companies operate across borders in Asia. There is no formal definition of what constitutes a first-tier, a a second-tier or a third-tier city in China, but it's commonly agreed that the top tier incorporates Shanghai and Beijing as well as Guangzhou and Shenzhen, prosperous cities just across the border from Hong Kong and at the heart of the industrial Pearl River Delta. Not only are these cities in effect megacities with populations of some 20 million people, but they also have the highest incomes in the country. However, They account for only 9% of the country's population. There are many more people living in the second-tier cities, often defined as the provincial capitals and special administrative cities, 23 of them in all. More than 300 million people live in China's smaller cities, roughly equivalent to the population of the US. Many Western companies are hoping to target the customer base and labour pool of these cities and slowly shift their focus from the developed eastern seaboard into the centre and the west of the country. All prefecture-level or county-level capitals are generally classed in the third tier, but the difference between second tier and third tier is not very precise. Some experts set the barrier for a second tier city at a population of 3 million and a minimum per capita GDP of US dollars 2000 or more. Using that definition, there are some 60 cities in the second tier. In addition, China has 163rd tier cities with populations of 1 million or more, out of about 655 cities in all. However they are defined, it's clear that the importance of second- and third-tier cities is growing. Just as people are migrating from the countryside to the city in massive numbers, companies are migrating from the expensive coast to target the interior. What does all this mean for Western companies? First, you can no longer view China as a single market. Targeting the masses will no longer work. Already the game is changing to take into account the emergence of different categories of consumers and their own sense of their differences and individuality. Companies now have to make extensive research of individual market cultures and trends across the entire federation of China's provinces and age groups to connect with each group and to stand out from competitors. Understanding China as a, a homogenous culture or business environment with shared traditions, customs, and etiquettes is not sufficient to penetrate successfully into the second tier and third tier cities of the central and western provinces. But then, China never was a single unified country of tastes, history, religion beliefs and customs. From Xinjiang in the west to Manchuria in the northeast, China has always been an extraordinary patchwork quilt of cultures and peoples. In this sense, the country could be considered as a version of Asia as a whole, with its many related but unique cultures, traditions and ways of doing business. For those entering the China market or seeking to expand, the lesson is clear. Although there may appear to be a global segment of aspiring middle-class consumers in the country, local market conditions and characteristics in each of the regions and their cities are challenging Western companies. The challenges they face extend to learning the appropriate business behaviour, culture, and ways to build business relationships in each of China's provinces, and often in second- or third-tier cities too. Instead of just adopting a one-size-fits-all approach to Chinese business culture, moving traditional product cut categories or engaging in practices developed in home markets, Western companies now have to focus more on enhancing their knowledge of each particular market and the value they bring to local consumers. Only by doing this can they build successful partnerships, increase economies of scale, and strive to maximise returns in these new markets. I'd love to hear from you if you have tips or comments about doing business in China or in other parts of Asia. You can leave them at my blog, www.davidcliveprice.com forward slash blog. And of course, please subscribe if you want more on the ground intel like this. Just add yourself to the subscription box on www.davidcliveprice.com and you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes.